The first question I have besides how are you is, are you Chef George, Chef, Chef Duran? How do you like to be addressed? I mean, Chef Duran is perfectly fine. Um, some people call, like my kids call me Chef Dad uh, often. So it's, it's more about where I am and what situation I am. But uh, George is just fine. Okay, well, I won't call you Chef Dad. I'll call you George. And George, <laughs> aside from having to talk to media, how's your day going so far? Um, it's been uh, fantastic, actually. Uh, the kids have left to school, so I feel like I'm on vacation. <laughs> is it still coffee o'clock by you like it is for me? Man, uh, coffee o'clock, it's always there, man. As if, you have, if you have an espresso machine that sh shoots out espressos nonstop all day without having to actually make an espresso uh, from scratch, it's always coffee o'clock. Okay, glad to hear that for your sake <laughs> and for my sake. So your career is fantastic in that not only are you accomplished as a chef, but you figured out a way to be adjacent to the entertainment industry. And it's been that way for close to 20 years. I know about the house of style uh, credits that you got, but when was it in your career that you kind of decided that I'm going to be more than just the person in the kitchen at a restaurant? I want to be a media personality. Well, that was actually from the very beginning. Uh, things for me started in the media industry. I studied communication studies, mass media at NYU. And I always knew that I wanted to work uh, probably behind the camera, um, producing, writing, whatever that is. So mm -hmm. my first passion was media, believe it or not. And then from there, I also had this like incredible passion for food and overeating. And um, I was able to kind of uh, put both of them together. So, uh, I had an agent back then that said, look, you want to work in the TV food industry, but you you have nothing in your background for food, uh, as, as, as passionate as I was for, uh, about food. So I did go to culinary school after that. And uh, from there, when I got my degree in culinary studies in France, uh, I was able to kind of put both of those passions together. And that's kind of what I tell people, the secret to having a great career is find two opposing passions and bring them together. Be good at two things, put them together. There's always a way to monetize with that. Did you have people telling you that you were nuts when you had that early on sentiment? My mother certainly said I was nuts. There's no doubt about it. My mother said, you're going to fail. I guarantee it. Um, but uh, you shouldn't listen to your mom sometimes. That's, that's kind of what the takeaway is here. Fair enough. When I saw the documentary Supermensch about Shep Goodman, did you see that by any chance? I did not, no. It, it explores uh, the success that he not only had with managing musicians, but also that he helped popularize the celebrity chef because there was a glass ceiling for what a chef could do up until a certain point in time. And, you know, the Food Network had not yet popular, popularized. In your case, who was the first chef that you really took note of where you went, they are more than just a person in the kitchen. They are a personality. I can do that. Yeah, uh, certainly Emeril Lagasse is up there at the top of the list. I mean, he certainly made things a lot more entertaining, the live studio audience, the clapping, getting things excited about making boar chops. I mean, I don't know how exciting that can get, but he made it happen. So uh, without a doubt, he is the king up there. Uh, but then you also go further back and you look at what PBS did uh, between Julia Childs, um, Jacques Pepin, all these other big name celebrity chefs but again they were more mellow crowd i would say more uh, niche oriented and people who loved cooking were watching it not necessarily people who didn't love 
uh, cooking watched it. Emeril, on the other hand, you don't have to be a cook, a chef, or even passionate about food. Uh, you just have to watch them and be entertained by it. I, I hear a lot of people saying, um, I love your show. I love who you are. I love how you inspire to cook, but I cannot cook in the kitchen. And it just shows me that they just want to be entertained by food. And of course, Food Network took that to a whole different realm by making entertainment and food um, come together. I still think it's amazing that Emerald had a sitcom on NBC. And the whole premise of the sitcom was basically that he was cooking in the background every now and then would say, bam. Did you ever feel pressure to have a catchphrase yourself? No. <laughs> no, man. I mean, you know, you have your catchphrase. That's cool. Um, yeah. Uh, my, my catchphrase at home is, damn it. You know, or, you know, more of an expletive, of course. But um no, not necessarily. I think I think that's that's wonderful. You know, th th there's people and personalities out there, uh, especially in the food industry. And you know, Gordon Ramsay's known for his screaming and uh, berating, and uh, right. yeah, he's known for his bam, and uh, and that's it. I'm hopefully known for at least some sort of humor that I bring into the picture, and um, and that's it. Uh, I, I try to stay more balanced because um, otherwise, all I'll be getting is fans coming up to me and saying, "Hey, can you say this? Can you say this?" and uh, but at that point, it could get kind of um, it could get kind of messy. I can imagine. Well, in your case, it can be hard to catch up or keep up, rather, because we see stuff on Instagram. Hopefully, they do fix that bread maker at the Whole Foods. Oh but my goodness, yes, please, Whole Foods. If you're listening, fix that damn a slicer in the Harlem Whole Foods already. But go on. I'm trying to get that fixed. Yeah. So at the moment. For all I know, you're hosting four things and there's two books in the works and there's partnerships with three brands. Can you tell me what uh, Chef Dad or George is working on at the moment? You know, uh, when you said partnering up with brands, it's absolutely true. I, th I think there's there's unbelievable innovation coming out today in the food world. And, and that's the, some, some of the things that I love um, to do uh, this day and age. Um, I work, for example, this company, Mighty, Com uh, Mighty Sesame Tahini. You know, mm -hmm. for years, uh, I, I cook with a lot of tahini. My parents are Armenian, born and raised in Lebanon. And often you get these tahini tubs that are completely separated between the oil and, and the tahini paste. And you have to go in there and kind of just scrape and try to get this gunk of tahini out. Right. And then suddenly you come out with this company with like Mighty Sesame Tahini and they have squeezable tahini. And I'm thinking, how do we not think of this beforehand? And it works. You literally get a bottle of Mighty Sesame and you squeeze it. You put it upside down and it squeezes. Um, these are the kinds of innovations that I that I love. I, I absolutely adore and, and I try to partner up with. Um, DeRogue Gardens is another one. Um, these shortcuts that I find quite often, like Trader Joe's has a tons of shortcuts. Um, they have this uh, product also. It's called DeRogue Gardens and they have frozen cubes of herbs and garlic. Mm -hmm. and, this, and, and it's literally frozen packets that, that you kind of push out and garlic comes out. It's already minced, everything's perfect, and you put it inside your stews, your sautés, whatever it is, herbs, whatever you want. But now I don't have to constantly wonder, gosh, do I have fresh garlic? Gosh, do I have fresh herbs? It's all inconvenience of your freezer. So these innovations are the things that kind of get me excited. It's like people who are into cars and or electronics, like I know CES is on now, yeah. uh, and they go and see what the newest, coolest gadget is. For me, it's the newest, coolest innovation with food. Uh, and once I see it, I kind of, um, I'm a magnet to it. I go in there and I say, I need to represent you because I love your product. When these brands see my passion, uh, they right away, to a certain extent, want to want to become partners with me. And uh, I am a great uh, spokesperson for them because uh, I'm genuine about it. I genuinely love these products.
you actually use the products when you're cooking. Before I even partnered up with them. It's incredible. <laughs> well, obviously, family and food are number one and number two for you. Not saying which is number one and which is number two. But what's number three, number four? Music, sports, where are the other interests or passions? Oh, my God. That's a great question. Um, I, I do love music very much. Um, on the side, I, I I sing in a band, a dad band. We call it a dad band. Really? And, uh, yeah, but we don't perform anywhere. <laughs> so far, we haven't. Uh, we're hoping that there's going to be some sort of like bar mitzvah or something in 2025 that we'll be performing in. But um, we've kind of put that together and we play 90s rock and it is cathartic. It is like so good to have music in my life and to be able to kind of be a voice now of a band that I've always wanted to be part of all my life and all my youth. And of course, now that I'm married and with kids, um, you know, what's the point of being a band member when you can't really get all the perks of being a band member? But there is. the. I, th I think um, once you come to a point in your life where you're kind of settled with your career and, you know, there, there's, a, there's a comfortable income and things are okay, um, yeah. exploring those passions are really important because it's kind of very therapeutic. Uh, the other thing I like to do is languages. I love to uh, learn new languages. I'm on my fifth right now. I'm fluent in English, Spanish, Armenian, French, and now Italian is like my big thing. Um, and I'd love to add other languages to that as well. So once you find these kind of hobbies of whatever it is, traveling, eating, uh, cars, um, it's so it's so important. I think it's it's therapeutic to be able to continue exploring those on the side and kind of collecting, buying, learning about these things. Because uh, if, you, if you stop learning, your brain kind of starts shutting down and um, it's not good for you. I, I want to continue those passions, uh, no matter how away from my career path they may be. But before I let you go, you piqued my interest with the 90s rock thing as a person who's wearing a Glenn Danzig shirt and there's photos of bands and all that behind me. When you say 90s rock, are you saying grunge? Are you saying top 40? Where does it go? A mix uh, from Green Day to Pearl Jam to, oh gosh. I mean, you know, the hits, I think we certainly are hitting the hits as much as you can, but sometimes the band members come up with these very obscure bands that they like. And we all have to vote if we want to sing it um, or, or perform it, I should say. Um, so uh, it's it's all over. It's quite eclectic 90s rock. It's kind of the stuff we grew up with when, back in the day when we were single and we wanted to be in a band. Let's put it that way. So you mean Gin Blossoms? Yes, kind of like that, but sort of like that, I guess. You know, it kind of feels, you know, it has to go with my range as well. Hell, I'm singing Alanis Morissette, man. It's It's pretty awesome. Wow. Okay, I hope that eventually that that bar mitzvah becomes a public gig that we can see in some form. But Never the bottom line is, you're staying really busy. We got to follow you on social media to keep up with the latest and the greatest, right? Yes, at Chef George Duran and every social media. Again, I want to say Whole Foods, if you're listening, I need that bread slicer in the Harlem Whole Foods to get fixed already. We are dying here. I don't know why a bread slicer is simple. Get it fixed. Whole Foods in Harlem. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and looking forward to whatever's next from you. Thank you, Darren. Take care. Plus everything. Hello, we are P1 Harmony. And you're watching the Paltrocast. Paltrocast. Jason, aside from having to answer the same questions over and over and over and over again, how's your day <laughs> That's so far pretty good. Uh, I'm in Los Angeles where it's just been raining, dumping on us for what feels like weeks. It's not that 
rains for 10 minutes and then stops every day kind of thing like florida no this is just like non-stop and i'm from nova scotia canada where we get like crazy weather there but this is just this is insane i gotta build a boat today i think well, at least you have the entertainment behind you, the pleasure chest. Is that surrounded by arcade <laughs> games? Sorry to make it a little personal there. No, this, this overlap of wrestling, comics, comedy. So I assume you're like a big <laughs> Yeah, th this is a claw machine uh, where, you know, we go out into the wild and we capture um, stuffed animals and then we bring them back here and we, we catch them again. <laughs> Know the patterns right there well uh yeah it's versus aliens not your only project of the moment to say the least but when was kids versus aliens done with relation to tales from the territories yeah it was like honestly uh right after we wrapped dark side of the ring season three i went right into like i was developing um uh, in development on Kids vs. Aliens towards the end of season three of Dark Side of the Ring. So as soon as I was off that, I was bam, right into Kids vs. Aliens. And then once uh, Kids vs. Aliens was done shooting, then I went and shot a bunch of uh, Tales from the Territories. And then I came back and sh uh, edited uh, Kids vs. Aliens and then would take breaks to go shoot more uh, Tales from the Territories. And so I've just been going, man. I've just been going nonstop for years now. <laughs> yeah, I admire that if I can throw you a compliment right Oh, thank you. <laughs> because when that last season of Dark Side of the Ring happened and there was all those rumors growing up, is it coming back, was it canceled, et cetera, you kept quiet and were working the whole time. You didn't yeah. take the time to deny anything. You just pushed it all ahead. And now we see <laughs> how much output there is and will be. Yeah, no, there's definitely like there's times where it's like you want to like, you know, say something or whatever. But at the same time, I just I didn't need to like I'm just so busy and working on the things that I love. So, you know, I didn't feel like I needed to for any sort of self like gratification, like try and tell people of what's going on and just put my head down and just just get the work done. Because it, it like making a movie too and the TV shows, it's just so intense. It just takes up, you know, 100 percent of your time. So. Yeah, I don't I don't have much time to, to do anything else. <laughs> it, is that something that you learn from being around the wrestling industry? Because those people keep secrets, the best and the worst coexisting, where you have the people who can't keep any secrets, which blows everything. And you have the other people who don't even tell their wives what they're up to. I know, you know, now, I never thought of it. But now that I think about it, there are times where, you know, I heard these little sayings from wrestlers or people who worked in the uh, wrestling industry, like, what was one that was like uh telephone tele wrestler yes. and <laughs> telegram telephone tele wrestler yes that's it yes and um that is also true in the film industry as well too that i've come to learn so um yeah i, <laughs> I guess well, it's guess it's something i've thought about looking at your credits so it's not all tales from the territories kids versus alien dark side of the ring the Trailer Boys, uh, Trailer Park Boys, oh, yeah. speaks a lot. And I'm sure as a native Canadian, that is a very proud credit for you. What oh, my God. Yeah. Now is diversified between comedy, documentary style and action. Is this kind of where you wanted to be from the start? Man, it's kind of amazing you bring up that um, kind of connection, too, with Trailer Park Boys, because Trailer Park Boys has done 
has always been made in my hometown in Dartmouth, oh. Nova Scotia, you know, and a lot of the people who work on that show, I, I grew up in the film industry with as well. And I think like subconsciously, like the style of that show has like had an impact on me uh, because I've also, yeah, like the documentary sort of like aspect to it and, you know, kind of making performances like bringing sincere like performances to like these high concept like ideas um but um yeah i guess you know uh my work um i like I, i'm always drawn to like things that are like funny and uh, i think being from nova scotia and a maritimer that's just like kind of like ingrained in us and uh and then mixing like action with it like i grew up loving like action movies and my favorite movies are usually action films and i've always connected with the idea of telling stories like through action like you know my favorite movies are the ones with barely like any dialogue in it and it's literally just visual storytelling through action and that's also too like my like my favorite aspect of wrestling is that it's all like just you know storytelling like through like action um and uh yeah that makes sense to me and also going down your credits sometimes you're the editor and or the director and or the mm -hmm. writer this i believe is a co-writer director yeah and sometimes when you speak to directors they go well i directed because no one else wanted to in other words <laughs> wrote it and then the director backed out or someone went, i don't want to do it Did yeah you know all along that you want to be the director Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the my co-writer on it is uh, John Davies, who was my best friend since I was five years old. Like we went through all of school together, from primary, uh, all elementary, all the way to college. We went to college together and discovered our, you know, our love for filmmaking together. And John, since I remember in the fifth grade, he told me he's like, I want to be a writer. And like at the time, I thought it was he was going to write books and he would write all these like short stories. And he is the master of just coming up with like the best, craziest ideas. Um, and then as we discovered filmmaking, John always kind of took the writing like he became the leader of the writing side of things. And I became the leader of the visual side of it and, and, and directing it. And so it's a dynamic that I've had like, you know, for gosh, you know, over 25 years now. And, um, and yeah, this is the, the way it is. <laughs> that almost, uh, sorry to Canadian stereotype here, but that sounds very similar to the Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg dynamic, oh, right. where they were childhood best friends who are writing stuff for fun on weekends. And then you find out that one of those things was super bad, where it's yeah. actually produced thing that you made as kids. Yeah, absolutely. I think like when you have like it's, you know, for one, it's just special to be able to have a relationship like that. Um, and that's cool that like Seth like has that with with him. It's like when you're when you have that kind of connection, um, you have also, I believe, like almost a psychic kind of connection as well to you or this like ability, like you just know each other inside and out, you know, and because um, you've just been through like so much together more than just writing you just you've been through all these life experiences and so uh i always know like with john it's like we're we're just always we all, we're always on the same page and we can be harsh with each other too and you know tell each other pretty quickly if an idea is like not great or if it doesn't work without having to like worry about you know each other's egos or anything like that got it 
pardon my ignorance here does john in any capacity work on dark side of the ring or tail territories no he doesn't work on those um because he well he primarily works like in a narrative uh script writing world and these you know we don't have like scripts for the documentary you know i i, I wouldn't have uh i wouldn't have like a decent enough uh, uh job for him on it or to, the best ways to use his talents uh, uh but yeah when you have a film like kids versus aliens i hear that title and i just go that's a franchise intended Ooh, title good. did you know that when you came up with the title or was that a working title that just wound up sticking it was midway through writing the script i just pitched that idea to john and it stuck but i did think like oh that would be cool like you know i could see like you know it could be uh who knows what the, like it could turn into you know kids versus you know something else other than like exactly. aliens if we wanted to um so but i've always like dreamt about you know the main inspirations behind kids versus aliens are like are mostly like action figure um uh, play sets and uh and toy lines that i grew up loving um like masters of the universe was uh something that uh had a huge impact on me and my imagination uh, growing up and I've always wanted to do something where I could create my own universe like that um, and so with kids versus aliens I feel it's just like the start of something that could be much bigger um, and the hope is that people like it enough that um, you know one day someone would allow me to make a sequel to it because uh, there's nothing I would rather do than just continue to play in this world like making this movie was like the funnest uh, most rewarding like experience for me and probably because like a lot of it there's so much of myself like in it uh, but it's it's just chalk filled with stuff that uh, I love so much so do sum that all up with a compliment you're one of those people who was able to turn their childhood hobbies into a career yeah absolutely um, <laughs> I don't know what else I would be doing um, because I was always like growing up, I like I had a hard time uh, focusing and paying attention onto anything that wasn't something that like I was interested or in love with. Um, and I've just I've always been that way. It's like when I get into something, like I just like I go a hundred percent in, and it becomes so consuming uh, right. to me. Like like Dark Side of the Ring, it was birthed out of uh, my producing partner Evan and I is like burning passion for wrestling and the history of wrestling and it was like gosh like 10 years ago that we like together like rediscovered our love for wrestling and you know our friendship like blossomed through you know each other finding cool like facts and you know just things about wrestling and showing it to each other and watching stuff and, and uh we were just you know so passionate about it that uh, that's how like like dark side of the ring was birthed out of that passion so for me this was like kind of taking going down another path of you know diving into the things that like another thing that inspired me so much growing up which was like these like you know things these properties and like teenage mutant ninja turtles and ghostbusters and masters of the universe you know it's always been a dream of mine to create stories that could have universes like those my last question before I let you go. We love tales from the territories in this household. I learned things Yay. about Andy Kaufman that I didn't know. I There was so much more in your episode. Will we ever get a territories episode about that random Southern promotion that had jumping Jeff Farmer? 
Oh, that would be amazing. You know, if they greenlit another season of Tales from from the Territories, that will definitely be something that'll uh, get pitched around for sure. You know, we would love to make other seasons of that show, and you know, there's so many other territories and lots of other stories to get into. Exactly, and any excuse to say Liam Ivia fifteen times in that <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> awesome. Jason, thank you for your time, and looking forward to whatever's coming next from you and team. Awesome, thank you so much. Take care. Outrocast. Soul, Victoria, Daniel, great to be speaking with you all today, and all at the same time. How's your day going? Pretty great. Good. Very well. Yeah. Very well. Thank you. And you. And how's your day? So far. Oh, well, hey, you asked first. So, so far, so great as far as I know. New York, it's not so cold today, but we'll throw the first one at Daniel. When did the film actually get finished? Because sometimes you hear about temp music or waiting for extra stuff to happen. So when did it actually get wrapped? I mean, finished, finished, like in the last few months, like we were still tweaking the sound up until like uh maybe even been September October we were still playing around with a couple things with the sound um which is kind of nuts considering the first shot was the first shots were rolled in 2017 so uh it's been a long journey <laughs> so I can yeah. imagine and then yeah. and festival circuit it, mm -hmm. it's a way to turn a film into a three to four year process but to us it's a new film so congratulations on the new film <laughs> and thank you Soul, the first time I ever saw you was Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and I had no idea that there were those acting chops because we saw you mostly speaking in Spanish, we saw you being funny, and this is some real drama and real acting. How much prep was needed for this role? I love it, and real acting. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, as I was saying earlier um, in one of the interviews, I actually, since the beginning of my time on this planet, feeling like I was going to become an actor, mm -hmm. I always was very dramatic. <laughs> um, and even at school, you know, the plays, you know, one of my first roles was playing the dead right? <laughs> or death, right? Mm. Um, so it was, I, I think as we grow older, I mean, I've always been funny among my friends, uh, but I was not thought as a comedic actor. And I have to say, it was not until after turning 40 that I was like, oh, come on, you know, let's, uh, let's welcome this part of me in my acting uh, world, I guess. And um, and I think when I allowed that to happen, you know, auditions started coming to do comedy and um, I love it. I, I, I wanna keep doing comedy and, uh, but I also love to go into, you know, um, roles um, that, you know, dig into, dark and um, more dramatic sure. layers as Daniel wrote so well. Well, not to leave you out, Victoria, uh, thank you for taking the time as well. For you, how much prep was needed for this role? Because like I was saying to Sol, this is some heavy duty acting. This is not just 
cutaway shots and all that. This is real emotion. Mm -hmm. uh, how much prep? Well, I know that I had a lot of legalese to know, so I had to look yeah. those up just to so that I got a grasp on what I was actually saying, so I understood it. Um, but we were saying earlier that Daniel just wrote the scenes out and fleshed them out, so we really did understand what was needed of us. And I think just going into that space of really uh, understanding what we're reading and emotions that need to be portrayed and just coming to set and, and dancing. Hey, yo, check one, two. This is Flavor Flav, and I don't disappear fast. Because right now, you are watching the Paltrow Cast. Paltrow Cast.